I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Aaron, it is so good to have you back because Paul cannot do the announcer voice. (laughs) I tried. I failed. I admit it. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you covering for me, Paul. No problem. No problem. I thought about calling in sick this week just to get even with you, but I didn't do it. Well, and I appreciate that as well. Because, you know, I've got a note, and I'm only going to be able to do half the show today. Oh, we're going to have a problem with that. (laughs) So, uh, But you typically only half-ass it anyway, so does that mean you're going to be, like, a fourth-ass it? I'm I'm going to quarter-ass this, is what I'm going to do. Quarter-ass it. Quarter-ass. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how which, is everybody? Which quarter of the ass are we referring to? <laughs> you you get to pick the quarter. What quadrants? Oh. <laughs> the quadrant. <laughs> the, the gamma quadrant. That's right. That's the dirty quadrant. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so so Aaron, you were asking something? The the wormhole. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <sighs> so how is everybody? Paul, see you know, uh, Snowmageddon's supposed to be hitting you any time now. Well, it was supposed to hit. Well, I'm in Virginia, uh, like Southern Virginia, so we're not really getting anything. We're too close to the ocean. We um, we rarely get stuff, but we got a little bit of snow yesterday, and it turned into rain, and none of it really stuck. Supposedly, it's going to turn into snow again, but we certainly didn't get hit like uh, DC or, or north of us. So, we're we're doing fine here. It's right now. It's just raining outside. And 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 Tim, it's absolute zero where you are. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like 20. It's not absolute zero. It's fine. So it's not like walking on the dark side of the moon? <laughs> no, that was last week. Last week was like that. High of negative five. It's like, that's that's phenomenal. And, and, and Wayne, where you are? Uh, it's well, Today it's in the low 20s. Uh, it's been in the single digits lately. And uh, we had, so like Wednesday, for example... Everyone at work, we were looking at the road cameras as the snow started coming down, and we all decided we were all just going to go to a bar and wait out the uh, this, you know, horrible traffic because people lose their minds when it starts snowing. But we realized around after about hour three that hey, the snow's not stopping and the traffic's not clearing. We should probably all go. So uh, here it's bright, sunshiny, sixty degrees. Huh? Yeah. Just just wanted to share that. I don't know where this seething hatred I have of you comes from. <laughs> but here it but is. It, it like spikes, you know. It's it's like an audio file. It's like level, and then it, these spikes, these random spikes, and I can't explain it. Huh. I, I think I can. It's every time he opens his mouth. Yeah. Oh, that must be it. <laughs> well, I, I would figure that with all of this bad weather that you guys are experiencing, you've had some time to watch some television this week. I have, actually. Um, I I don't know about the rest of you, but uh, Aaron, we talked a while back, and and Hopeless, our our regular commentator on uh, IdeologyOfMadness.com, is anxiously awaiting us talking about the Shannara Chronicles. Yeah, I've watched the first three hours of that show. Okay, and I've watched the first two. I don't think I've seen the third episode yet. Okay. Um, So, And when you say the first two, you're talking about the first two hours that they... Yeah, the, the two-parter that yeah. they aired or whatever. Yeah, that first longer episode. Okay. So uh, the Shannara Chronicles, uh, based on the the works of Terry Brooks, um, 
started on MTV and a host of other cable channels that I guess MTV is in partnership with or they have the same corporate owner or whatever because it's like all over cable when you try to find a, a, a channel to record on. And I got really ticked off the first time I recorded it because I did not – what I did is I designated on my DVR record it in HD if possible, right? Well, I guess – it didn't on the first recording. It didn't have an option to get an HD, so it got this horrible SD on one of these other channels, not MTV, but one of these other channels that they were broadcasting on. It was horrible. I mean, I wouldn't watch it. I, I deleted it, found another one, and uh, delayed my viewing. But uh, <laughs> first world, first world problem. It really is. It really is. It's like, oh my god, the standard definition. Standard definition is balls, man. That's what. I, <laughs> what is this? A third world country? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't have to have pliers to change the channel on my TV. I, I need to... <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you have a TV. That's right. That's right. So uh, I, I got to say, I was I was pleasantly surprised at how much I'm enjoying the show. Me too. Uh, I, you know, it. if you just look at it on the surface, it looks like another CW, you know, fantasy science fiction genre show, right? I mean, everybody's pretty, you know... Uh, it, it seems very, you know, a lot of teen angst. But I think it, the show's really well written, and so much happens in each episode. You know, I don't feel like they're, they're milking um, each plot point and just dragging it out. I mean, just stuff keeps happening. I, I was amazed in the third episode, which I won't spoil for you, Paul. But, I mean, multiple multiple setting changes and it's not just hey we're going to cut over here where this other character is it was the characters moving from setting to setting to setting i think there may have been as many as as three big setting shifts in that episode and i was like wow i mean that's that's i mean it's huge how fast they're moving uh through the story yeah they've definitely invested some money in it yeah it does have some token mtv things like aaron mentioned there's the uh, everyone's beautiful uh, but, you know, every teenager is beautiful. Right. Like the adults, I mean, they've got some, you know, they've got John Rhys Davies in there. He's certainly not beautiful. Well, and you've got Deathstroke. And you've so, got Deathstroke. Yeah. Um, so Gimli and Deathstroke are in it. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, you've got, every once in a while, they do use kind of like a modern song, but they don't overdo it, I find. No. Um, to, so to, to me, the peppering it of it in there, I actually like it. No, because they're they're not they're not playing like the regular top forty songs. It feels like to me they're they're kind of branching out, so it, it really does serve the story. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I've, so I, I've not found any of that overwhelming or you know drawing my attention away from the story. It's it's really supported what's going on on the screen. Yeah, it's not uh you know we're not watching Dawson's Creek as much as and you know you tell people it's MTV. And people, you know, freak out. But MTV, they've, they've started to, as they've branched into the, uh, you know, the fiction series, you know, branched out of their reality stuff. They've done some pretty decent work. And this is, there's really some money invested in this. I mean, this, I don't, I, I haven't seen Game of Thrones, so I don't know. I can't compare, but it's certainly bigger um, spectacle-wise than anything I've well, seen on network TV. I mean, it's shot in New Zealand, for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. The, uh, the, the so I've spent some money. I mean, just on doing location shooting, um, and the sets are great. You know, everything that they've you know that they're doing in Arbalon, which is the you know the big elf capital, um, is thoroughly interesting. Uh, you know, the, the the story is set post-apocalyptic modern Earth, 
but sometime after the apocalypse, you know, elves and magic arises and then magic falls. And so magic has left the world and you know no, none of these elves, which always seems a little strange to me, but none of these elves believe in magic anymore. Well, now magic is returning or has returned in, in, with one person. And it's a, it's really it's very interesting. The story's really well told. Uh, I'm getting a kick out of it. We're early in. I think five episodes have aired so far, but uh, I'm getting kind of a kick out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. Um, you know, unless it ter- takes a turn. Um, but I think it's only. But I mean, 10, 12 episodes, something like that. that. Would, so. I, I don't know for sure, but that would be my guess. Yeah, so I'm looking for, you know, I'm, I, I will continue with it. I think it's uh, certainly worth checking out if you're into that type of, of uh, television program, you know, like a Game of Thrones. It, it, even though, unlike Game of Thrones, I do have characters in the series that I like. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that that I don't mind watching and that I can root for. So, uh, well, I, I so will. I, I'm, I'm on board. I will say most of the characters are likable. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, there's whereas in a lot of TV series these days, you watch them and you're like, man, there's there is nobody here that's a good person. You know, you may you may like Walter White, you know, in Breaking Bad, but uh, you know, ultimately he's a horrible person, right? But uh, but yeah, I mean, most of, most of the folks are likable here. Of course, we're early in; we haven't seen how terrible some of them can be yet. But, true, uh, true. But at, at this point, there are no incestuous, rapey child killers in this show. At and, this point, and that's bad. No, that that that's good. Oh, oh. See, you're, <laughs> you're confusing me now, Paul. So maybe we should move over to something else. What about the Flash? There's certainly none of that in that show. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, Iris and Wally, they're going to get it on. Well, that's okay, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. See, that's my point. So so The Flash this week. Uh, oh, we, so not okay. Oh, wait, he said Wally. I yeah. thought he said Barry. No, no Wally. It's not okay. See, it's not see, okay. Paul's down for the hot brother-sister loving action. Um, so... On The Flash this week, we got to spend a little quality time with Wally, Wally West, uh, uh, you know, Detective West's uh, recently discovered son. And uh, I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like him at all. Yeah, I just, I don't like him. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I struggle with the fact that I like the original pre-New 52 Wally West, and uh, uh, I'm having issues with new punky Wally West. Yeah, this definitely isn't the Wally West that we know and love, but he is growing on me. I really disliked him for most of the episode, but I got a hint of I don't hate this guy at at the end of the episode. Why? I'm I'm, I'm curious as to what turned it around. Well, because he ate Chinese food. Yeah. (laughs) You can't be all bad if you're eating Kung Pao chicken, Paul. Yeah, it was that conversation. I'm sorry. I haven't caught up yet. I, wait, did I see this week's episode? I thought I did. He ate Chinese food. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, maybe. Maybe I just forget that scene because I hated him so much. Did you, <laughs> did you see the, that he was uh, racing cars this week? Yes, I saw the racing okay. cars. So bit. you so saw the like, episode. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was when he came back for his sweater. Yeah, because he left his green sweater there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Still yeah, I liked that scene. I liked that conversation between them. I eat Chinese food too, and people hate me. Just, just saying, Wayne. 
See, I, I'm going to have to reevaluate my opinion of you, Paul. I never knew you ate Chinese food. Yeah, I did not know that either. Huh. All right. Well, see. Maybe you're not so bad. Yeah, maybe. The, re- the redemption. I haven't seen oh, it, though. Right here. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe at ManCon we can watch him eat some Chinese food. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, that'll change five. everything. So we discover that uh, Jay Garrick is dying, that he apparently had some terminal illness, that his speed force was holding at bay. And now, absent his speed force, he's he's dying. And, of course, that got his, uh, I forget her name all of a sudden, but uh, um, gets his girlfriend here in our world all upset because she lost her prior boyfriend, her, her, her husband, and now, you know, he didn't tell her, and they're getting close. So she's going to go find, find a way to get his speed force back. I really hope she does because I want to see Jay with the speed force in the full costume. Yeah, I just want to see him running around again. Exactly. I'm excited about that. What I'm not excited about, this episode really pissed me off. Uh Uh-oh. I loved Barry's girlfriend. Yeah, Patty Spivett. Yes, I thought Patty was great on the show. I thought the two had real chemistry on screen. And their decision to break them up and have her move really annoyed me because I liked her a lot. Yeah, I did too. I, 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 again, same reasons. I think they just had fantastic chemistry. Uh, I just, I, and I mean, she's just as cute as she can be. Uh, and, I think she'll be back. Well, I hope so because not only was she cute, I thought she was a good actress. Uh, I thought she was funny. And again, they had chemistry and that is, that is hard to duplicate. So, uh, she is definitely gun happy. As I'm watching the show, her first move is to pull out the gun and shoot. I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, I would do it. Are you metahumans <laughs> around? Yeah, you got to you got to shoot those guys. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of appreciate that that yeah. she was so gun happy. Well, it'd be nice to know where that gun came from. Well, right. and I got I got to tell you that that scene where uh, the Flash rescues her and she just sobs into him. I that, I, I thought that scene was was rather heartbreaking. I mean, because she was she was it wasn't one of those scenes where someone is just tied up like the flash will save me. I'm not scared. I mean, she was terrified. You know, the guy had shown her his wife that he had murdered and, you know, had stored in the box. And I mean, she was terrified. And so when the flash saves her and it looked like for a moment there, you know, from her perspective, that it wasn't going to happen. And she just sobs, you know, into him when, when he cuts her free. Uh, I just I, I thought that was a really strong scene. Yeah, I was convinced that she was going to figure out that Barry was the Flash during the episode. Yeah, no, I mean everything was there for her to see it. You know, but she clearly didn't get it because I mean she's like, "Thank you, whoever you are." You know, for me, so same topic, but in the scene where Harrison, you know, uh, Harry. You know, pulls Barry aside and he's like, "Don't you tell her? Don't you yeah. tell her?" Yeah. Um, I liked that scene. I did too. But, like, I really, I really like Harrison Wells, and I want to like him, and they're going out of their way to make me not like him. Right. Like, you know, it's like he's just a real bastard, and I'm like, but I like the actor and I like the character. Like, I just, you know, they need to make give him a little bit more of a redemptive spin. Like, they seem yeah. to fluctuate. Like, some episodes he's not too bad, and some episodes he's a real dick. Right. Well, and in this one in particular, there are parts of the episode where it's like he's really looking out for Barry, and he actually is, you know, he has hope now, and he can possibly take out Zoom after all. But then at the end, it goes completely the other way. 
and he's they, you know, kills their one chance of stopping Zoom. Well, no, I, I think that he stole uh, uh, he stole some you know a pineal gland or something from from uh, the turtle, and I think he's he's building something. Do you think he killed him? I I I'm on the fence about that. I, yeah, I, I wasn't sure because you know it's it was kind of inconclusive, but you know I, I do think that he took something from him uh, so that he could you know steal the uh, speed force from Zoom. See, I took it as killed because he dropped to the ground and with blood coming out of his nose, where this thing went up into his nose. I mean, but, that's possible. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I had the question, you know, is he dead or not? But uh, I, we'll find out next episode. I so do kind this, of wonder how those cells work, though, because there's no, you know, there's no uh, facilities in there that we know of. They might like fold down and suck it out. I need them to demonstrate that. <laughs> Yeah, and how do they get food into them? Well, we've seen that every, occasionally uh, Vibe brings them, you know, stuff from Burger yeah. Box or whatever, the Big Belly Burger. And they they deserve at least a TV or something. Even even bad guys, it's like they're in. Uh, it's going to drive them even more insane. Well, there's no furniture in there. I mean, it's. I mean, it, it is. It is almost worse than Guantanamo Bay. I'm just saying. It is a horrible, horrible, horrible place. It really is. I mean, I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, at night the Flash goes in there and stacks them all up naked and stands on them, you know. <laughs> Beats them with the socks filled with soap. That's right. Has Grodd come in and growl at them, you know. <laughs> Teabag them. That's right. That's right. So the Flash so was at, just – oh, go ahead. Well, at the end of the episode. Yes. We had uh, uh, Eobard Thawne show up again, the reverse Flash. Yes. And I do have a question for you, which you know jumps over our next conversation from Arrow to Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. Wasn't that a Gideon he was talking to? Yeah. That's what I thought. I, I, the reason why I ask is I deleted it before I watched Legends of Tomorrow. When I watched Legends of Tomorrow, Rip Hunter's talking to Gideon. Oh. So, you know, connection. Yeah, so, I mean, I got that, too, when I saw the Gideon in the ship. I remember Gideon was the computer that yeah, the Thawne artificial. had in the yeah. first season, yeah, too. The, the so. artificial intelligence. Exactly. So, so uh, talk to me about Legends of Tomorrow, because I have not seen it yet, but go ahead. I don't. I, you can spoil it. It's oh, wow, not, you've not seen it yet. I'm not, I'm uh, not, you know, I, I just didn't get a chance. I meant to, and I just didn't get a chance, but see, I don't mind it spoiled for me. I'm going to see it regardless. See, when you only went to work three days this week... Uh, you had time to watch TV. That oh. was my experience. Well, that's what I should have done. So I unfortunately didn't see all of Legends of Tomorrow uh-huh. because the TV went out. Well, the connection went out. We had to reboot all the boxes real quick and try to get it back quickly. So I have the first seven minutes. Oh. And I lost a bit. And then I have the last uh, – I only lost about 10 minutes of it, but I lost the entire 10 minutes where Rip Hunter explains to them why they're there, why he's chosen them, all of that. And I didn't get to see him pick up everyone. The last person I saw him pick up was uh, uh, he picked up, I saw him pick up the Atom. And I think that might have been the last one that I saw before it cut out. So unfortunately, I missed a good chunk in the beginning. Well, I uh, I watched the whole thing, and I have to say 
I think the pilot was kind of weak. I think the first episode's kind of weak. I think it's got a lot of promise. Uh, I'm sticking with it, but I think that uh, there was a lot of awkward writing. Um, I think that the similarities are far too close to Doctor Who. Uh, it bugs me that for no good reason they made Rip Hunter British. There's no good reason to do that. The the, the character is an American in the books. Um, and the only reason I can think that you would do that is to, you know, lean into the Doctor Who similarities. And that just bugs the hell out of me. Um, the Rip Hunter on the show is nowhere near as cool as the Rip Hunter in the comic book. Absolutely. I mean, I, I – and I am a – don't get me wrong. It, it's not going to keep me from watching the show. But I dearly love the Rip Hunter of the comic book. Um, and yeah, I, I love the fact that Rip Hunter isn't his real name in the comic books. Mm -hmm. That's the name he goes by so nobody finds out his real name and kills him as a baby. Right. Um, I, guess I didn't get that from the show at all. Well, and he – you know, there, there's – I won't – since neither one of you guys have, have seen it, I won't spoil some key things for you. But – one of the things that bugs me about it is if you're going to assemble a team to travel through time and, and you know end the threat of Vandal Savage, why are you only choosing your heroes from the same point in time in 2016? I would think yeah. that, that you would – I was wondering that too. I was, I was hoping that they had explained that during the, uh, the period that I didn't get. Yeah, I, I – it makes no sense to me at all. In fact, you know, <clears throat> here's the thing I don't really get is they went to all, through all the trouble to resurrect uh, Sarah in the Arrow series, right? Well, you never really had to do that. You could have gotten her before she died. You could have had everybody thinking that she died, and then Rip Hunter comes and rescues her and provides – you know, 22nd century uh, medical science to her to keep her alive and, and to make her healthy again. You didn't have to do that. I mean, I think that's a lot more interesting than what they did over in Arrow and then bringing her over into Legends of Tomorrow. Or that she still dies, that he takes her before, you know, before her death, but she still – and that's a very Doctor Who idea right. there. Yeah. But, you know, he takes her before her death and brings her back because she still has to die at this point eventually. No, how awesome would it have been if the uh, the series would have ended with her being dropped off on that roof, turns around, and then gets riddled with arrows? And then you can I, still have the plot line that happened in Arrow or something. Yeah, exactly. I see a point yeah. there. Yeah, I just – it, it just seems to me that – I mean kind of like in that comic book Time Lincoln, you know, where you know Abraham Lincoln goes and, 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 and you know fights villains through the time stream, but he does it in the moments before he dies, right? Because you can always be returned back to that point in time from which you came, assuming you survive that long, right? But it just, it's just one of those things that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why you would you know, get just these guys – why you wouldn't collect people. You know, we know, like, for instance, you know, there was a period where we thought, okay, there were no superhumans prior to uh, the event in Central City that created Flash, right? But that's not true because you had uh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl. You had uh, Vandal Savage. So you did have superhuman people uh, prior to that yeah. event. They just the weren't Maracu as public. Yeah, the Mirakuru, Constantine... Right. So I mean they could have they could have done something. 
Uh, I just it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So that's something that bugs me. The story is very linear. Um, you know, for a story that's about time travel, you would think that it would jump back and forth and you know kind of tell the story, uh, you know, not chronologically. Um, but no, it's very much a okay. I need to build the team. I'm going to go get these teams. So I'm going to do it one through eight. Okay, we got them. That's done. Okay, now I mean it was just very prescriptive, and I just I, I feel like the writers aren't of as high a caliber as the writers that are working on Arrow and The Flash. And I'm hoping they get there because um, I, I think there's a lot of promise in this show. And, and I think yeah. I will also they don't you, shy away from the big over the top action. And I don't have a problem with that. Um, what I'm hoping, because it's a big cast, I'm hoping that what we see is some people dying this season. You know, so I don't need Hawkman and Hawkgirl on this team. One the of highlights of the pilot, without giving spoilers for me, were uh, the scene with uh, Sarah in the bar. Yes, that was fun. That was, I thought, a great scene. That was a real highlight. The twist that they give... Oh yes, that for 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 the hot, the Hawkman and the Hawk Girl twist. Uh, no, the twist about the why he gathered them. Ah, okay. That I really enjoyed too. Yeah. That I made it made so much more sense to me at that point. Well, certainly With, the, the 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 opening makes a whole lot more sense of why that was important, other than just to demonstrate yes. why Vandal Savage is such a bad guy. Because I didn't pick up on that in the opening at all until that that yeah. scene too. No, I, I think there's some some positive moments. I like Vandal Savage better in this than I liked him over in the Flash Arrow crossover. I hated the actor playing. Well, maybe not the actor. Maybe it's the character, but the uh, uh, Firestorm. Yes. The young kid. Yeah, I don't care. I I, I thought he kind of redeemed himself near the end of the episode, but through the first seventy-five to eighty percent of the episode, I just hated that character. I will say one of my concerns is, you know, they did something in the first part of this episode that, that concerns me that maybe we're going to see a lot of is the Adam doing, the, oh, my, my, my suit's back in the ship. Are we going to see a whole lot of, you know, oh, I don't have my suit with me? Well, if your suit shrinks, why don't you always have it with you? Why isn't it in your pocket? That is an excellent point. <laughs> you know, I'm just, come on. There's a reason why nobody remembers you, Adam. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I th- I'm bitching a lot, but there was a lot that I liked as well. I you know I think that uh, um, I, I dig the concept, kind of like the set they're using for the ship. Um, you know I'm looking forward that there's going to be a model or a toy out there for that. It always loves me some ships. Um, you know so that's kind of fun. Uh, I I I like the 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 grand sweeping quality of it. I do wonder if are we going to be chasing Vandal Savage through time throughout the entire life of this series, or are we going to resolve it in this season and then there'll be a new temporal threat? So I'm kind of curious as to how that's going to go. Cause I, you know, I don't want to be chasing the ending kind of like we did in lost. Cause man, I don't have the appetite for that kind of show anymore. But anyway, fingers crossed. I think, I think it's got, it's got a lot of promise. Yeah. Same here. I like, I like that it doesn't shy away from being the, Big superhero action. Yeah. So, Arrow. Now, Paul, did you watch Arrow this week? Nope. Golly. What do you do all week? Uh, I don't even know anymore. Uh, Wayne, did you watch Arrow? 
Oh yeah, I had to watch it as soon as it was recorded because of how the last episode had ended. Well, you know, I had actually forgotten. I'm so glad they did the previously on Arrow because I had completely forgotten that that uh, you know before the holidays, Felicity had gotten the shit shot out of her, um, and so we you know we find out early on in the episode that Felicity's not dead. So yay. We find out at the end of the episode who that is in the grave that we've been seeing since the beginning of the season, and we don't find we don't find it out definitively, but we know who it isn't. We know that it's not Felicity because Felicity is in the limo, limo with Oliver when he gets in from uh, walking out of the cemetery. Uh, you yeah, get I had been afraid that it was going to be Felicity in there, but I had a feeling it wasn't because it was too obvious that it would be her. Well, I, I agree. I also think that. I, th- I honestly, I think that you would have people rage quit the show if they killed Felicity. I think Felicity is probably a more popular character than Oliver. When I really got worried, though, was uh, actually on this episode when they flash back to that future scene of him at the grave. Yeah. And then Barry is standing next right. to him. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, who would Barry come for? Exactly. I know. I, I did the same thing. Like, damn. But they pull back. They pull back, and you see the cemetery. And it is a cemetery not unlike Arlington National Cemetery. It's mm. a military cemetery, which leads you to believe that it's Diggle or perhaps his wife. Because those are the two people, two regular characters in the show who uh, uh, are military. So. It's yeah. the dad, um, you know, uh, Canary's dad, ex military? I don't believe so. Uh, I was wondering about that, too, because he was the other person I was suspecting it could be. I think it's Diggle. I think for the emotional resonance, it's Diggle. Because it definitely impacted Felicity. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed there or not something that could eventually be a huge spoiler. In the in the scene in the limo, yeah. she's not wearing the ring. Oh, no, I hadn't noticed that. I was focused on her legs because, you know, we find out earlier in the show that she's paralyzed from the waist down. But yeah, I even rewound it and looked closely. She's not wearing the ring. Well, that's not too big of a surprise. I, I figure that uh, that's m- most likely going to be delayed. You know, I was focused on her legs because of a story reason, Aaron. I was. I was. I was looking to see if there was any evidence that she was still paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I was looking at her legs, too. <laughs> uh, the Arrow is, is such a strong uh, story. Uh, I'm enjoying the, the Damien Dark stuff. I particularly enjoyed that, you know, the Arrow goes and saves Damien Dark's family from being murdered by anarchy. And, you know, you would expect that, you know, Damien Dark would come out and say, hey, man, I really appreciate you saving my family. That's, that's, that's awfully cool of you. Maybe we need to reevaluate this whole war between us. Instead, Damien Dark says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a couple of weeks before I kill you and all your friends. i just give you a couple of weeks. Go enjoy your friends. I'll kill you later. I won't kill so, you now. <laughs> all this time, I had wondered if Dark's wife and kid knew uh-huh. who and what he was and they make it pretty obvious that yeah she knows that she's on yeah. board mrs dark is a little scarier than damien yeah i mean he's like holy shit <laughs> yeah. yeah i have to say i really loved anarchy in this episode he's a character i like from the comics and uh, the first time they did him i didn't think it quite did him the justice that it did in this episode he was an impressive character in this one. Yeah, no, I, and he was adequately insane. 
I got to tell you, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I mean, I, it, it moved, you know, I, I loved where Diggle's beating the crap out of his brother, you know, uh, you know, comes home with bloody knuckles. Ooh, what happened there? Well, I had to work over my, my baby brother, you know, get some information out of him. <laughs> I just, I love this show. I mean, I can't tell you the, the last time I had to work over my brother. <laughs> I, I mean, I do it all the time. Yeah. It's so, like, sad, hey, sad, Matt, how's it going? <clears throat> sadly, I'm the baby brother, so I'm the one who gets worked over for information. <laughs> <laughs> we've heard the stories, Aaron. We've reported them. <laughs> yeah, you, Paul. Maybe if you didn't get involved with drugs so much, Aaron, he wouldn't have to work you over. <laughs> so let's... Um, you know, th- those three shows were all part of DC Week on the CW, and they also had two specials. One was like a preview of uh, Legends of Tomorrow, um, and the other was DC Films presents Dawn of the Justice League with uh, new footage from Batman vs Superman, um, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, actual footage of the Wonder Woman movie. Um, as well as just kind of concept art and talking about The Flash, Cyborg, um, Aquaman, and Green Lantern Corps movies. So lots going on in that special. Um, It was hosted by Kevin Smith and Jeff Johns, and uh, I had wished it had just been hosted by Jeff Johns. You know, I kind of don't think it needed a host. I think it could have done a voiceover narrator. Uh, yeah, I would more agree. effective. I, I got to tell you, the 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 scenes between Jeff Johns and Kevin Smith bugged me. Um, I and, mean, neither one is known for their acting ability. You know, I mean, well, Jeff Johns is a comic writer, and Kevin Smith is an asshole. Well, so. and I've I've heard Jeff Johns interviewed on a number of occasions where the interviewer has put him at ease and whatnot. But you know, you could tell this was was scripted or at least heavily outlined. You know, like Jeff Johns is waiting to get in his zinger. You know, like up, up and away. You know, I mean, yeah. And and I'm just like, dude. You know, you you made you made this a lot more lame than it needed to be. You know, yeah. You've got all this cool footage. Get out of the way and just voice over it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know, I I shouldn't have said Kevin Smith is an asshole, but you know, because <laughs> we probably just lost listeners. But you know, he his um his persona in this show, just in, in this special, just really kind of bugged me. He well, was just way too over the top, I thought. That's his, you know, comic book men persona, Paul. Yeah, and I, I don't watch comic book men for the same reason. Um, well, I just, I, I, it bugs me that Kevin Smith brands himself a uh, comic book expert. And hey, I know he owns a comic book shop, and I know he's written some comic books, but uh, he is not the comic book expert that he brands himself as, and that bugs me. Yeah, know? he's not reading the books right now. No, it's obvious. Yeah, no, it just, it just. It, and I get, you know, he has really positioned himself out there in in the industry as the genre expert. You know, he's the spokesman of all things comic booky and geeky, and I get that. I mean, that's 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 his bread and butter right now. But uh, it just annoys me to see him on screen doing that kind of thing. There's some of his stuff I really like. Some of his stuff just drives me crazy. But beyond that, we saw cool footage uh, of Wonder Woman riding a horse. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised they actually showed that much footage. Yeah, I was surprised they had that much footage. Yeah. Um, so they still haven't identified who uh, – oh, gosh, uh, Captain Kirk. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, he's playing Steve Trevor. Is he playing Steve Trevor? I, I don't yeah. think I ever saw that that was officially announced. Yeah, he's just playing Steve Trevor in – so if I remember correctly, um, you know, the film takes place in World War One and modern day. Kind of flips back and forth, kind of like Captain America World did. World War One or two? One. Huh. Okay. And so he plays Steve Trevor, um, I guess, the first – and Steve Trevor the third or whatever um, in modern day and in World War One. So you know he's not just there for the World War One stuff. He's you know also the grandson of Steve Trevor. So uh, I, I, the the footage was good. I, I I thought it was well done. You know I think you know we got to see more Wonder Woman in that footage than we've seen in any of the Batman versus Superman stuff. It makes she, sense. Let's just put it out there. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman is freaking gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, she looks perfect. I mean, yeah, I mean, perfect. and I'm not just saying, oh yeah, she's window dressing. I mean, she just is beat perfect Wonder Woman. Uh, I, I was fully impressed. I mean, some of the the shots that we got to see, I was like, wow, this this looks like something we're really gonna enjoy. I, I can't wait. Yeah, I think I think they did a really good job selling me on that one. Yeah, I was yeah. I was I, I was. They started talking about uh, Jason Momoa. You know, as Aquaman, I was, there was a moment. Of, Are we going to see some Aquaman footage? <laughs> I really was hoping. Yeah. Like I know they haven't started filming, but maybe like a you know a picture of him in his actual yeah. outfit Screen or something tests, like that. that kind of yeah thing. something. Yeah. But no, they didn't. I mean, it was all just concept art. Same with Cyborg. I expected to see some. Like they were showing these things, and I'm like, whoa, are they going to show footage? No. But, well, you know, we got some concept art and some pre preliminary glances at what the costumes are going to look like for Cyborg and Flash and Green Lantern. And the Green Lantern stuff is, is you know, is, is exciting that we're that that DC is going to uh, relaunch Green Lantern. So it's Green Lantern core and not Green Lantern. I which think I, that's the right way to go. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, I, I, I think that's the right way to go. Let's do it right this time. So. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And I thought the Batman versus Superman footage. Uh, was good, you know. I mean, there there wasn't much new there. Uh, you know that, that there, you know, that's already had enough trailers. And they, but the, the main thing that we saw was we saw a couple of more talking scenes, uh, primarily with Ben Affleck yeah. as Bruce Wayne, which I appreciated. Um, so I like that stuff. Yeah, no. And I'm, the Suicide Squad trailer. Oh, that Suicide Squad trailer is hot with the with the Bohemian Rhapsody uh, music over it. And you could tell they're going for the Guardians of the Galaxy vibe there, yeah. but I don't even care. It was an awesome trailer. No, no, it looked great. It looked great. I, 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 I am so jazzed. I can't believe that one's coming out in August. I mean, well, it's because I haven't seen any trailers of it that made me think I was going to even see the movie. Does how did you guys feel about Suicide Squad before this? I was, I, I you know, I was like, man, I'll see it. It wasn't, it didn't seem like something that I had to go see. You know, like I'll catch it when it's on Blu-ray or DV or uh, you know, cable or something. But no, I'll see this one in the theater. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember the first trailer that got released wasn't an actual trailer. Right. <laughs> it was just a sizzle reel that was supposed to be shown at Comic Con and it leaked, so they just went ahead and released it. This is the first like official official trailer, and. Um, I thought they did a damn good job. I mean, Wayne, did you see it with the Bohemian Rhapsody over it? No, I haven't seen oh, it. It's, it's super hot. It's super it hot. Is. In fact, I would go as far as to say, balls nasty. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, show title, but not really. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it looked hot. I, you know, uh, I, I'm not a, a huge fan of this interpretation of Harley Quinn, but uh, I, I, I was like, fuck, I'm down for this. 
I'm down. I can't wait. So, you know, since we're talking about DC, and we're very DC-heavy this week, um, at least for this first half, um, DC announced, or I should say Funko announced, um, you know, Funko has two mystery boxes out there already. They've got the Marvel Collector Core, and they've got Star Wars Smuggler's Bounty. They're bi-monthly mystery boxes. Um, If you've subscribed to either or checked out the unboxings on our YouTube channel, it's basically you get a Funko Pop or two, some type of Funko memorabilia, T-shirt, pin... Um, patch, things like that. They've announced uh, another new one themed to DC. And so the, the first box, which comes out, I believe, in March, um, is themed to, no surprise there, Batman vs. Superman, and comes with an exclusive armored Batman pop vinyl. I wish I could get excited about the Funko Pops. I, 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 you know, I fought it for a long time, Aaron. <laughs> I fought it, and then I went for it, and now I, I won't say I'm addicted, but you know I'm not the guy who's gonna like just buy every fucking Funko Pop. Right. But if there's a Funko Pop related to a an item that I'm interested in, then I then I get it, and I'm certainly interested in this Batman versus Superman box. Sure. And what it'll probably mean is the next box in, well, I guess that they're bi-monthly. It's probably not going to be the second box, but maybe the third box will be Suicide Squad themed. Yeah, I just don't get into the Funkos. I mean, I've got a few of them, but I don't think that they look that good. It depends on it depends on the the item. Uh, you know, I've I've got uh, a couple, and the ones I've gotten are the ones where I was, oh, I really like the sculpt on that. I really like the the painting on that. But uh, you know, it kind of cracks me up. Like you'll see the the Walking Dead ones, and they all just kind of look the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the, the fun of it, I yeah. mean, for, for, for those who are interested. But if you are interested, check out uh, – it's legionofcollectors.com. It's where you can subscribe to get those. I'm, I'm going to pick up the first box. All right. Well, tell and us how that is. I, I will. I will. And uh, in other DC news, in biggest DC news this week, um, not even – well, it's rumored – and it seems to have been uh, suggested by both Jim Lee and Dan DiDio that DC um, is building to a rebirth in June of this year. And uh, if you're counting, that means we're going to get 52 issues of New 52. Oh, God. And then it's, it sounds like a line-wide relaunch, not reboot. I should say a line-wide relaunch in June. Well, and uh, that's what we don't one. know is – we, they have said that they're going to jump back to issue ones on all of these, but and they're changing title names on quite a few. Looks like it's going to be Batman, Superman kind of focus once it's all said and done. But what we don't know yet is, will this be just a renumbering and moving on? Or is it going to be a reboot and things are going to change again? The impression I get is that it's not a continuity reboot except where they want to do it. Um, you know, I think some things will continue. It sounds like uh, so, and I'm just I'm not conje- I'm just think I'm reading about the the rumors that I've seen. Um, you know, one of them is that Batman the book will be going biweekly, much like uh, Spider Man did for a while, Amazing Spider Man, or most of Marvel's books, honestly. Um, you know, with with double shipping. And it sounds like Batman will go that way, but Scott Snyder won't be writing that because that's not what he wants to do. He'll be moving over to Detective Comics and continuing his stories there. Um, 
And so it sounds like the line-wide relaunch, there's going to be a lot of focus on the movie properties, Superman, Batman, um, you know, uh, Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, stuff like that. It sounds like DC is just trying to get market share back from Marvel because Marvel's, you know, does relaunches every six months and it seems to be working for them in, in some capacity. But I got to tell you, man. So you're I'm so all, fucking tired of number ones. You're buying all those there 52s, right, Paul? You're getting all 52 of those? I am not. <laughs> Plus variant covers you're going to put those up too. <laughs> I, I, I am not. Is there going to be some kind of midnight launch party you're going to go to? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> there it is. So did you guys see in uh, the comics this week, the DC comics this week, that there's an ad for Neil Adams' new The Coming of the Superman? I have, and I'm on the fence about it. You know, I was excited about it until I saw that it was Neil Adams. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I like Neil Adams' art, uh-huh. but man, I don't want to support that guy. Well, and he, um, I, I love him. As a visual storyteller, there's really nobody better. I mean, he is he, he draws beautifully and really can, can sell a story visually. I cannot stand his writing. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, well, this I, I, this will be a train wreck. There's no way I'm buying this. I got so excited because, you know, it's Superman with his underwear on the outside of his pants where it ought to be. And uh, uh, then, then I realized who it was by, and I won't be picking this up. I'm, I'm going to wait until there's more details. I want to know what the story itself is going to be about. Well, I, I just I, I think that's the wrong thing to do, Wayne. I think it's important to just go ahead and make your extreme statement now without having any additional information. That's what I think yeah. you should do. Plan, plan A. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm uh, yeah, Neil Adams. I was so excited about his Batman book. Uh, Which and, I didn't read. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, it was, was it? terrible. I did two issues of it. It was terrible. Because he wrote and drew it. I mean, if you just took the word balloons out of it, beautiful book. Yeah, exactly. I love his art. Yeah. Um, sometimes. I mean, you know, he, he, he really has, uh, you know, he, he can be uneven depending on his schedule, but I just don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> if so, it's $5, I guarantee I'm not buying it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm That's not. That's fair. I'm, I'm not in it at all. So speaking of Superman, I uh, – I listened to something over the week this week. We've mentioned the graphics audio audiobooks before where they get like actors to play the different roles and it's uh, kind of like an audio drama mm-hmm. as much as a book. So I picked up over uh, Christmas it's Superman the uh, the audio you know the graphics audio novel mm-hmm. and I listened to that over the week and it really got me in a Superman mood because uh, this thing Paul, I think you would love it. It's Superman in the basically in the 30s when he first shows up. So it's uh, it's a whole origin piece, but it's actually done, you know, in it done to era, a new story, an interesting story, but it was very well done, and it got me really jazzed, wanting something some good Superman. But DC didn't have any good Superman out this week. Well, you know what I've done over the last week is I've listened to 18 and a half hours of uh, The Great Courses, the music of Richard Wagner, a lecture series. It got me really in the mood for more Wagner. 
Okay, okay. okay. I can't. I can't tell if that's a joke. It's not. I, yeah, that's what worried me. I had some time on my hands. Eighteen hours, apparently. Eighteen and a half. So, uh, you guys read Batman number forty-eight this week. Yes, we did. Talk to me about it, Paul and Wayne. Well, I want Wayne to. I want to. I want to hear Wayne because Wayne, you're not a, a regular Batman reader. So, talk to me about this. No, I'm not because I hate the Jim Gordon uh, Energizer Bunny Batman. But I had read online some uh, some details about this one, and uh, that this is where Bruce is going to start getting his memory back. So that's why I picked it up, and I really enjoyed this issue. It's. I didn't care for all the stuff in the background with Gordon fighting the uh, their big bad guy, Mister Bloom, that uh, basically is a living plant person. It seems like you know he's not actually fully been explained um, yet. So uh, you know I don't know exactly what he is, but and I, I think we'll find out before the end of the arc. But there's this great conversation between. Bruce and what appears to be Joker. And it's a healed Joker who's talking about not having memories either. And the two of them are just kind of sitting on a bench having a conversation. And Joker motivates him to, you know, basically that he needs to step up and do something. And the whole thing winds up with Bruce back at uh, Wayne Manor asking Alfred, take me to my cave. And that scene, that's, I would love to see that like on a poster. That, yeah. You know, just the, him standing there. The, I thought the art was incredible on it, the determination on him, and uh, just that take me to my cave. I, uh, so I really enjoyed it. I'm on board for the next issue. Good, good. Even though, just to warn you, I think next issue might be a fill-in. So uh, maybe not. Uh, double check issue, before uh, before you pick it up. So I've really enjoyed this arc. Uh, you know, the, the the Jim Gordon Batman. Even though I gotta say, Jim Gordon Batman is kind of a bitch. I mean, he 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 really got his. In this issue, he was useless. I mean, he basically spent the entire issue um, as uh, in in captivity from uh, Mister Bloom. But it was a great issue, and so yeah. you know, basically, 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 Mr. Bloom was King Kong, and he was the girl in his hand. Basically, you know, and so the uh, you know the, what Wayne is referring to in regards to the Joker and Bruce Wayne is at the end of Endgame they fought under the streets of Gotham City, and basically uh, that the, there was like a Lazarus pit or healing waters or whatever, and they both died or you know had brain damage. I mean they beat the shit out of each other by this pit, and the waters healed them and fixed them both. So Bruce Wayne, you know, no longer wants to be Batman. His brain has been healed. His his heart has been healed. Like he he doesn't feel the same pain that he felt that made him Batman. And same with Joker. Joker has been restored back to his original human self. I mean, he's still a little kooky, but he's not the Joker anymore. And so the the main the majority of this issue is this conversation with them on a park bench about um, you know kind of this whole like tease between them. And I thought it was a really great scene. So this was a damn good issue. Yeah, I was left the whole time wondering, does is he actually amnesiac or does Joker know? 
I, I, I think he is actually uh, actually amnesiac, um, but I think you know, much like Batman, that's not going to last. Also out from DC Comics this week was Poison Ivy: Cycle of Life and Death, number one. And Tim and I both read this, and uh, you know, before we talk about this book, I want to say this book was as a direct response to fans. Um, DC said. Uh, you know, they, they, they did social media surveys and the number one character that got voted on to have their own miniseries was Poison Ivy. And so DC has now put out this Poison Ivy miniseries, um, Cycle of Life Death. And, you know, I, I, I was going to skip it, but I saw that a couple of you guys were reading it. So, you know, I went ahead and, uh, and gave it a shot. And uh, Tim, how'd you feel about this book? So I sort of got what I wanted out of the first issue, <laughs> which was Poison Ivy and Harley. But now that I know that it's going a different direction, I'm I'm a little less interested, I guess, is what I would say. I was pretty happy with the art, but the story, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I thought the art on this book was, was really good. Clayman did a good job, but I thought the story was boring. Uh, the story was by Amy Chu, and, uh, you know, the, the the not much happened in this book. Like Poison Ivy, he's, she's gone legit. She's working at, in a research lab. Harley comes and visits her, and they have a drink, and then Poison Ivy comes back, and or Poison Ivy takes a shower, goes to sleep, wakes up, and someone's dead. I mean, that's that's basically what happened to this first issue. So I was like, this is boring. Like, I don't think I'm interested in this book anymore. I, th- I think I'm out after this issue. You know, what I want out of this book is is what they're not going to give me, which was a little bit of Gotham City Sirens. And this first episode was a little bit of that, but they also basically said, yeah, that's not what this book's going to be about. Yeah, so. I think that was the point of that scene. Like, let's sell some copies of the first issue by throwing Harley in there. And it, it did. I buy all my money. And but, uh, then fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm out. And at least it was only three bucks because I don't have to buy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was I, worth it. Not after this issue. So on the other side of the fence, Marvel Comics has a new issue of Star Wars out this week. We, uh, you know, we wrapped up Vader down two weeks ago. Vader down. Vader down. And now we are Star Wars number 15, the start of a new arc. We have jumped back in time uh, in the diary of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's not really the start of a new arc, is it? It feels like it is, doesn't it? It feels like it ends on a cliffhanger. It does end on a cliffhanger, but then the preview for the next issue seems like it's in the current timeline. Well, maybe it's well. Maybe the cliffhanger just continues at the next. I don't know because you know the this story the the last page of this story ends with Luke Skywalker being a boy. The cover of the next issue has a full grown Princess Leia. You know, looks like she's infiltrated an Imperial base. So well, I that's mean, my you could concern. Be so I, 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 it left me with the feeling this was a this was a very interesting story, by the way, of back when Obi Wan was protecting young Luke Skywalker, and we see all these things that he does around him to keep the boy safe, like uh, you know Uncle Owen's moisture farm is the only one in the area that never gets raided by sand people because Obi-Wan's keeping watch over them. Uh, When Luke uh, trashes his Skyhopper, Obi-Wan provides him a box of of, uh, parts, you know, through third parties 
to you know be able to repair a Skyhopper because you know uh, Obi Wan is of the mind that you know Luke Skywalker is probably going to need those piloting skills, so it's important that he hone those now, right? Um, so I mean, it's a great story, but the ending of the book suggests that we're not picking up this story in the next issue. It seems like the this is coming from the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it feels like maybe these are going to be the filler issues between the arcs. I think the new arc starts next next month. Yeah, well, you could be right then. Well, if I'm if I am right, I am outraged. That's why why, why why are you outraged? It would be nice to have these all together as opposed to peppering them you know, along. I mean, I think it's a great idea, but I think they should do one and done's, not one and here's your cliffhanger. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because the last one didn't end on a cliffhanger, and this yeah. one straight up ended on one. Oh yeah, and I mean, it really didn't. If if you're not picking it up in the next issue, this didn't need to end on a cliffhanger. You could have started the next issue with that. You know, the next time you come back to the story, I think doing the journal of Obi Wan's a great idea. You know, when you need that space, you know, to get the next creative team ready. But it just bugs me that I think we're not going to pick up with, you know, the Java story uh, in the next issue. I think it's going to be several issues down the line. That's my complaint, Paul. Yeah, I'm, and, you know, it's, uh, it's like, what is this, issue 15 and the last one was issue 7? So it's, um, you know, it's going to be. What every seven months we get one of these? Yeah, and it, it makes it really hard to you know retain <laughs> that information. Yeah, you know. But I do think this was an interesting issue in that we got to Absolutely. see Owen, uh, you know, argue with Obi Wan like, yeah. "Look, stay away from Luke." I, you know, that was an interesting thing because you know, I mean, you don't really get the impression that Owen gives much of a crap, right? In in the in the movie, so I mean, you're not with him that long. So I thought this was a you know an interesting view at, with his character and the the Mike Mayhew art. I was I was worried. Why? Because I'm not really all that familiar with his stuff. Uh huh. And you know, we went from Stuart Amonin to you know who who's one of my favorite artists, and you know to to this uh, Mike Mayhew guy whose art I'm not familiar with. But man, his art is gorgeous. It is, but you know, he he is a very uh, photorealistic sort of painter. So it's very stiff. Well, so. and you know, it, you you have a sense that he's working from models, kind of like w- with a lot of Greg Land's work, right? Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of photo referencing that kind of thing. And I got to tell you, the the kid that that he is drawing as young Luke Skywalker looks so much to me like the actor who played young uh, Captain Kirk in Star Trek 2009. You know, the kid who drove the car over the cliff? Oh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. And I'm like, God, that looks like the same kid. (laughs) You know, he doesn't look like Mark Hamill. He looks like that kid. He does. I could see that. Yeah, because he didn't look like Mark Hamill and at like at all. Right. So I was kind of surprised with that choice. I mean, the, the Owen definitely looked like the actor. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, but Obi Wan didn't really. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's like Obi Wan is like a, a conglomeration between uh, Sir Alec Guinness and uh, uh, that other guy. Um, Ewan McGregor. Thank you. Yeah, it was all I could think of was train spotting. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that is uh, now if if Episode One was more like train spotting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. But yeah, no, it's a good book. I just the ending bugged me. 
I, I agree. You know, it, they really should. Without those last two pages, I would have been fine. Yeah, I just think they need to be presented as one and done. Don't tease the next issue when the next issue is probably six, seven months away. But hey, um, before we leave Star Wars, don't we have a Star Wars contest going on right now? We do. Um, so we are still giving away a copy of Star Wars Darth Vader Volume 1 trade paperback to win a copy or to be entered to win a copy I should say not just to automatically win uh, to be entered to win a copy <laughs> I want to automatically win <laughs> automatically win um, leave us a voicemail at 972-763-5903 that number once again 972-763-5903 and, or you can leave a, um, a comment on this episode or any of the recent podcasts on ideologyofmadness.com. And be sure and reference the Star Wars contest. And unlike the next Star Wars movie, this won't be delayed. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, Star Wars Episode Eight delayed until December, surprising absolutely no one, I thought. Um, you know, it was a big news item this week. But So do you think it's because... They made so many buckets and buckets of money at Christmas time. They've just decided that Christmas is their time now. Well, I think two things happened, right? One, they really wanted to go with the Memorial Day weekend because they said that's Star Wars weekend. But at the same time, like, then you really only have a shelf life of about one or two weeks sure. before something else knocks you out. Um, whereas in December, you're, you're pretty much set. Because I mean that's where the Academy Award films and some you know some kid films, family films come out. But you know if you are if you become the December release, nothing's going to release against you, especially if you call it two years out. Um, but the other thing was Avatar was originally Avatar two was originally supposed to come out in December 2017, and shocking again, surprising no one has been delayed again. Um, so who the hell knows when Avatar two is coming out? And I certainly don't care. Yeah, I can uh, care but, less. But now that that month is open, Star Wars went went and staked their claim, and I think it's good. I mean, I and I'm 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 going to be sad because I you know we don't get I was I was anxiously awaiting Star Wars in May, but at the same time, like this it, it did so so well in December, it would be foolish to give that up. Yeah. Well, and I think they're just they they may wind up branding you know Christmas time as Star Wars time. Yeah. You know, it's not Star it's not Christmas unless there's Star Wars. And frankly, yeah, I'm down for that. Because yeah, we get Star Wars this Christmas, too, with Rogue yeah. One. Well, and you kind of have your own little baby messiah there because, you know, Anakin didn't have a father just like Jesus. You know, didn't have an earthly father just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. <laughs> <sighs> so, so, you know, with the end of the Marvel Secret Wars, um, my uh, long... Uh, uh, boycott of the Marvel books has ended, you know, because I was only reading Secret Wars and the Star Wars books. So one of the books that I was the most interested in, in all of the uh, uh, Marvel books coming out right now, was Squadron Supreme. I'm a I'm a big fan of the old '80s Squadron Supreme maxi series. It was a 12 issue series where uh, Squadron Supreme, which is you know really Marvel's ripoff of the Justice League, uh, decides to take the law into their own hands and and really you know kind of run things, kind of like what Superman's doing over in uh, Injustice Gods Among Us, right? 
Well, uh, Squadron Supreme picks up after the conclusion of Secret Wars, and one of the things that I find really interesting about this book, written by James Robinson and uh, drawn by Leonard Kirk, is it's not the uh, Squadron Supreme from one Earth. It's members of the Squadron Supreme from a whole bunch of different Earths. So like the Hyperion that survives is the Hyperion that we saw fighting throughout Avengers, New Avengers, and Secret Wars. So it's the same guy who fought alongside Thor, right? Uh, and who you know raised those alien kids uh, down, oh, okay. down yeah. in uh, uh, the wherever that hidden jungle thing is under the earth. Um, so, you know, that Hyperion. The uh, Nighthawk is the same Nighthawk from the James Straczynski uh, Squadron Supreme books, right? The, uh, uh, I forget her name all of a sudden, but the, uh, uh, oh gosh, here it is, uh, Power Princess, you know, the, the Wonder Woman ripoff is the Power Princess from that old 80s uh uh, Squadron Supreme book. So you've got this, you know, conglomeration of these different heroes. Uh, they even bring in a hero. F- it's not just the Squadron Supreme guys because there's actually a new universe character. You've got Blur from the new universe in there as well. So you know, you you've got kind of a, a mishmash. And these guys very much are like, hey, you know, we're just going to – the Avengers aren't, aren't taking care of business. The Avengers aren't making sure that true threats to the world are taken care of, so we're going to do it. So the first thing they do is set out to kill Namor because Namor is just such a bad guy. And there's a little bit of a score to settle because Namor killed one of their worlds during the Secret Wars. So uh, they go out and they don't ju- – the first thing they do is Hyperion lifts the city of Atlantis out of the ocean and breaks it and dumps it back into the ocean, scattering all of Namor's people. And then they tear the head off of uh, Prince Namor. So, interesting book. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I dig it. Uh, You know, I've only read one issue. There are three issues out right now. I'm going to be picking up the other two issues. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And, and of course, you know, the Avengers, they're already showing that Old Man Cap is uh, you know sending the Avengers after these guys because you know you can't you can't go around doing that. That is not how Captain America does business. But I dug it. I dug it. I really like the Nighthawk character that they brought over from the Straczynski book. He's very much Marvel's Batman uh, in that kind of setting. Uh, I like him an awful lot. I like the Hyperion that they kept. I, I like all these characters. All these guys are great. So uh, I don't know how long this series is going to go for, but I- I'm in. I dug it. I don't recall that Hyperion being a murderer, though. Well, but he's been driven to it. Okay, okay. Sounds interesting. Yeah. You know, it's funny because they had – they spent – no, it really is hard to redeem Namor for what he did. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, leading up to Secret Wars, even though he, you know, even though he tried to redeem himself at the end, ultimately he still destroyed all those worlds with the, uh, I don't remember the, the Cabal. Right. So I, I guess I get it, but wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I anyway, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I'm I'm down. So Aaron, sir, before we continue on to our next book, I have to ask. Yes. Are there any other all-new, all-different titles that you may be picking up? Well, um, Wayne bought me the first three episodes of the uh, first three books of The Visions, which was a book that I'd read the review of uh, from another site when it was coming out, going, ooh, that sounds really interesting. And Wayne picked it up 
and uh, you know Wayne wanted me to read it, so he he bought those books for me, and I read those this week, and they're fantastic. They're just fantastic. Creepy as all get out. Wayne, it sounds like you wanted to say something. Yeah, that's what I love about them is that oh, yeah. this isn't a superhero book. No, this is a. <laughs> It's it's hard to describe what genre I would put this in. Maybe even horror at some points. Yeah. But it is definitely a very creepy book, and I love all of the characters. Yeah. It, this it, Vision's family is – like, Vision's a little off, but the family is extremely off, like, in the creepiness factor. Yeah, you know, the Vision has decided that he, he really wants to connect with humanity, and so he builds a family. You know, so he builds a wife and he builds two kids and they're all synthesoids and he sends his kids to school. His wife is a homemaker. Uh, and there is there's kind of this 1950s, you know, early 1960s sort of, you know, uh, white, white short sleeve dress shirt and tie sort of sensibility to it. Um, but with this underlying creepiness, because, you know, like the, the kids and mom are acting things out that they don't understand. Right. And, you know, they're they're keeping secrets, dark secrets, because they don't know how to cope with them. And so it's, it's like kids playing dress up and, and making decisions that are very adult, mature decisions. Uh, and they're, they're going to have huge impact. And you can just tell that this thing is snowballing. It's going to be a thing. And it is such brilliant storytelling. I mean, I love it. I love everything about it. I love the writing, love the art, love the pacing. Um, the, this... I loved how they brought Tony into issue three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And because one of the Vision's kids gets injured and Vision needs help basically repairing her and goes to Tony for help as they uh, they fix her. And their conversations and as Tony starts to realize there's really something off here. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the whole thing is just fantastic. I highly recommend it. All right, all right. We've gotten two opinions that both say it's good. I'll have to check it out because I don't trust Wayne's opinion, opinion alone. <laughs> I can see why. Well, because <laughs> I, I read... I think demonstrate why. Yeah, because I read Silver Surfer number one this week, Wayne. And don't get me wrong. Um, I, I do like Dan Slott. We give him a hard time. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a friend of funny books, but we do give him a hard time from time to time because his Spider-Man work has, has been uneven. But he did such a good job, uh, or he's doing such a good job on his current run of Spider-Man. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and give this new, um, this new Silver Surfer a shot, even though it's by Mike Allred, who I'm not a big fan of. You know, and it's you know basically the same creators of the the last arc of uh, of this book that I didn't necessarily care for. I went yeah. ahead and did it anyway. I did it for there, you, Wayne. There is no reason for this to be a number one. I mean, it is the same setup from the last one. It might as well have been the next issue of the last series because they don't change anything. Yeah, and I got that impression. I mean, it, it seems like it was just an excuse to take a little break and start over with number one, or you know just an excuse to have a number one. Marvel doesn't need any of those. I really didn't care for this book. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I, uh, I, I, it started off okay. You know, so I, I don't know if this, uh, this, uh, female character in the book and, uh, and the silver surfer are together now. It kind of seems. Yeah, like they, they are. 
they're pretty much together. It's one of those will they won't they relationships, but they they're basically in a relationship. Okay, because she's got her hand up all on, like all yeah. up on the entire uh, thing. And uh, you know they're like watching TV, and her hand is on his lap, and she's giving him a hand job. I mean, it's just like all out there. It's not that obvious, but you know, like I just. So, you know, the first half of the book, I'm like, okay, okay. I mean, it's, I, I mean, you know, it still has the same Doctor Who vibe, but I like Doctor Who. So, but then the last half of the book, the actual meat of the book, as far as the, the, the aliens who are stealing the world's creativity or imagination or something like that comes in. And I really hated that part. <laughs> I really hated the, you know, I, I just thought it was so ridiculously silly and over the top that it just lost me at that time. And I, it, it's, it just, it felt too, and maybe it's the Mike Allred art, because I'm not a fan of his, and, and this book certainly didn't sell me on him, but I just thought it was silly. I, yeah, I the, art was is silly. Really, the art has really grown on me, because I had that initial impression of it when I first started the book. You know, on the last run, but I'm not terribly surprised to hear that you didn't like it. It's it's definitely one of those books that is not for everyone. I personally, I love the title. I love this issue. I do uh, feel to it, but I kind of like the surreal aspects of it that the second half of the story has, and that's a pretty common theme throughout it. So. If that was something that uh, that bothered you and you found it as uh, you know cheesy or corny, you definitely wouldn't like the series overall. Yeah, yeah which is I, a shame. I want to. I really do, but I just I couldn't do it. I I wish that uh, it was not so such a send up to Doctor Who uh, because I really like Mike Elred and I really like the Silver Surfer and usually really enjoy Dan Abnett's writing. But I when I uh, bought. Sloth. So, yeah, whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Dan Slott. No. Uh, no, I really like Dan Slott's writing. I just uh, don't care for that title. I don't care for the take on, on that title. So I hate it. But, but you know, I, I hate that I'm not getting I'm not getting to enjoy that. But, uh, Paul, you had asked me what other Marvel books uh, I might be interested in. And I think the only one out there right now that's really speaking to me is Doctor Strange. Yes, so, do it. So do I, it. I, I think that's probably the next one I'm going to pick up. It's so good. But it's you know, so I got to say, I am, I am, I think I have reached my end with the Avenger titles, uh, and I, 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 I think that I'm, I, I am, I have rejoined my commitment to not getting into the X titles. See, on the, I'm on the exact opposite of that for the X titles. I'm completely with you. I'm completely with you on the Avengers titles. I'm done with them. I'm not doing any Avengers titles. But I'm really getting into some of the X-Men books. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to Thunderbolts now. I have to tell you, what gets me on the the, uh, X-Men titles is that I was all in on the Bendis books uh, with the young X-Men coming forward. And I never felt like we got the payoff. I never felt like that was was resolved to my satisfaction. Uh, I just, I, I felt, I felt kind of screwed on that. I felt like it kept it in one moment without really ever just moving that over. It, the, the story was so decompressed that, uh, you never got to, to, you know, fully realize the, the potential in that story. 
Uh, don't get me wrong. There was some that that moment it stayed in was really cool, but I wanted to I wanted to, there to be an act three, and we never got that. Yeah, I don't disagree, and I'm on the fence on the X books. I I have downloaded the first uh, couple of issues of Extraordinary X Men to give that a shot uh, mm-hmm. per Wayne's uh, recommendation, but I, uh, I I just. I'm, I'm out on Avengers. I am yeah. certainly out on Avengers. Um, there's well, just none of the, the titles there that interest me. Well, I got to tell you, they've made that really easy on me because all of those titles look like crap. Yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know, I mean, I'm like, wow, that, I, this isn't going to be hard at all. I'm not interested in any of these books. You so, know, the, the book that I'm interested in is Captain Marvel, but I don't care for the artwork in the book. Uh, you know. So, and, did you guys see the uh, Thunderbolts announcements this week? I did no. not. So the new Thunderbolts team is basically the original team, except it's being led by Winter Soldier. So Hmm. I am really excited about that because I loved the original Thunderbolts back in the day. And this is, uh, you know, Mach 4, uh, Moonstone, I think, is going to be in it as well, Atlas. And it's just the – I like that – I like the concept of the team. I had a lot of fun with the title and the idea of Winter Soldier leading them. I think is a good fit. Who is the creative team on the book? That's really more interesting for me than because a good creative team, a bad creative team, can ruin a good team. You know, a good superhero team. Uh, that is a good right. question. I don't know if they've announced it yet because they've just been showing the covers. All right, I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking it up, and it says creative team of Jim Zub, who I like. I like Jim Zub, and John Mallon, who I am unfamiliar with. So, I don't know Wayne. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll investigate the 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 art on the cover. Um, strong Liefeld influence. Strong Liefeld influence. In fact, now that I see it, I think John Mallon is the guy who drew uh, Young Blood. Uh, when Rob Liefeld was just writing the book, uh, with the the most recent relaunch, I think that's where he's from. So, well, they've shown two know. different covers. So, which cover are you looking at? I'm looking at the uh, the cover where one character has guns for arms and the Winter Soldier's in front with two guns. Okay, I definitely see the Liefeld look on that one. the uh, The cover I like is the one that's an homage to the original Thunderbolts cover, where they're oh, all. Oh yeah, that's by Mark Bagley. Yeah, I really like that one, but that's no big surprise because I love Bagley. Yes, I don't know. I am. I. Uh, you might have to tell me how that one is, Wayne. You lost but, me in Liefeld. Yeah, it took a sharp turn. <laughs> took a sharp turn into a dark, dark place. Well, let's talk about a new um, company releasing books on Comicsology as of this week. AfterShock Comics. Start, started putting out uh, you know their titles on the Comicsology website, and we gave a couple of them a shot. Wayne read Super Zero issues one and two. Aaron and I read uh, American Monster. Uh, Wayne, how was Super Zero from Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, right? Yeah, and it is a very different type of book. So there's no superheroes in it, no superpowers whatsoever. It is a teenage girl who is obsessed with the idea of becoming a superhero and continually does more and more dangerous things to try to become a hero, like getting people to beat her up so she can go to the hospital and wanting to sneak spiders in so when they x-ray her, they become radioactive spiders that can bite her. So that's the the basic setup of the uh, the series is just – 
she does ridiculous thing after ridiculous thing trying to get you know get a superhero origin without any of it working out and i found it to be a very amusing book the uh they take some of the expectations and twist them a little bit but typically it's just a you know you watch this poor obsessed girl just doing really stupid things that turn out really poorly and it was just a nice fun read that wasn't like anything else i'm reading so i'm going to keep giving it a few more issues i bought the first two issues of it because they both came out at the same time on comicsology well, you know, I, I didn't catch that Amanda Connor was uh, working on that book, so I may have to go take a look at it. Well, she's she's writing it. Uh, the the art is by oh. a different artist. So, yeah, she does the covers, and so I was like, oh, I should have picked that book up. It's by Amanda Connor, and then I looked, and the art is by Rafael De La Torre. Gotcha. Um, who who is most certainly not Amanda Connor. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I picked up American Monster this week, and I know you did as well, Paul. And uh, Wayne, uh, you you as well? No, I was looking at it and thinking about it, but I wanted to hear your take on it. Well, I got to tell you, I'm I'm a big fan of Brian Azzarello. Uh, you know, he's you know brought us such wonderful books as a uh, uh, hundred bullets, and uh, he's worked on Batman, Sergeant Rock, uh, Cage, and Superman. I I just I love Brian Azzarello's war, uh, work. He always has a, a really interesting take on characters and settings and stories. And the artwork leaps off the page. Uh, the artwork's by Juan Doe. I have no idea who this guy is. I know that he's worked on books like uh, Fantastic Four in Puerto Rico. Uh, oh, okay. That's why his name sounds familiar. Well, and, and like the Legion of Monsters miniseries and uh, Joker's Asylum. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm not familiar with his work. But it is so reminiscent of... Uh, uh, Oh gosh, suddenly Darwin drunk. Cook. Thank you. Um, I, I just, and, and I'm not saying when I say reminiscent, I mean it's not like it's an homage or he's aping that style. It's certainly his own style, but uh, it is just gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love, I love the pages, and there's so much mood on the pages. Um, and I, I got to tell you, Paul, I don't have a clue. I don't have the foggiest notion of what's going on in this book. But I, am, I agree. I am sopping it up with a biscuit. I mean, I, I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. Don't really care. Because, I mean, the I'm interested in what's going on. Uh, there's all these these breadcrumbs of story just kind of sprinkled around. And I'm fascinated by it. I am. I'm truly just fascinated by it. And I am, I am in. They have done the job. I'm in for issue number two. Are you? I don't know. Oh, man, I, I am I am down for it. I, I thought this book was hot. I Much just, like I, you, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah. And without that morsel, that that nugget to grasp onto, I don't know if there's enough to pull me in for number two because I, I I'm not invested. The art is gorgeous. Absolutely. But, man, I, I just read the book. I'm like, what? I don't understand anything. <laughs> And I just don't know if that's enough to bring me back. You right. know, the, you know, it's like but watching you, episode five of Twin Peaks without watching the first four. You well, know, I think one of the important things about the book is that on every page, on every panel, throughout this entire book, every character you see is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody here is terrible. In fact, the, the probably the most visually terrifying character in the book is probably the most noble. 
right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, even that, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about shades of gray here. Um, I, I'm fascinated by it. I, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that we get a little bit more idea of what's going on in the next issue, but I, I, I it really set it up nicely. It, I, 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 I'm, I'm down. I'm down for the next one. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. But I don't know anything about this Aftershock company. Nor do I. So it is a fairly new company that has a lot of big names. So we've mentioned a few of them, but some of the others are like Paul Jenkins, Garth Ennis. They're all doing books for it. Uh, they basically describe – they have like a catchphrase that describes themselves as uh, the best of indie with the best of traditional publishing yeah. I I am unfamiliar, but you know, with I, I'm really pleased with this first issue I've read, and I, I might take a look at the Super Zero books that uh, Wayne was talking about. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, they're they're certainly worth keeping an eye out on, and they are out there on Comicsology right now. Yep. So yay! Next so, week. Yeah, Paul, tell us what, what's coming out next week. Not a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> um. You know, I'm, I'm looking uh, around. There's Hellboy Winter Special comes out next week from Dark Horse Comics, but I think we primarily read our Hellboy in trade, so um, not sure. You know, that that's too much of a draw from DC Comics. We have a new issue of Superman, Lois, and Clark, and that title is is one we we have been a fan of since the beginning, and uh, very much looking forward to that to that new issue. Well, and I don't think we talked about issue three. Uh, on the mics, but uh, you know, I see bad things. Hank Henshaw's back from space. This can't be good. Or can it? Uh, it's, it's it's all bad news, Paul. It's all bad news. <laughs> <laughs> from Marvel Comics, we have new issues of Extraordinary X-Men, uh, Star Wars Kanan. Um, we have the first issue of Old Man Logan coming out. I, I don't think any of us are probably going to be reading that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. It's a it's a it's a uh, very lackluster week next week. Yeah, I want to know when the first issue of Spider Man's supposed to come out because I'm really waiting for that book. Yeah, I'm really May, wait- I believe I am really waiting to not buy that book. <laughs> You're not going to get it, Darren? No, no, I'm done with Spider Man. This Morales. is the Miles Morales Spider Man, written it, by Bendis. God, damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Fine, fine. <laughs> Bendis isn't writing it, is he? I thought he was. I think he is. I think you're right. Yeah. I think he is. Oh, it, I'm sorry. It comes out in February. Is uh, the the new Spider-Man book? Damn it. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to it just because I've I'm missing Miles. Damn it! <laughs> I was all ready to. Yeah, right, right, there's your line in the sand, Aaron. <laughs> Bastards. All right, folks. Well, tomorrow night. Well, tomorrow night for us. For you, you might have already seen it. X-Files, back on TV. Yeah, I've got my DVR set. God, I hope it doesn't suck. It won't. It won't. How could it possibly suck? (laughs) This is going to be the one, Paul. This is going to be the one. Are you sure? Yeah, this is the one that makes us. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a thing. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. This is this is where the bromance ends. <laughs> yeah, right I, I can't wait till they actually. I want one of them to love it and one of them to hate it. That's exactly what's going to happen. Well, if that happens, I'll just stab Aaron. <laughs> well, you're going to be buried under like nine feet of snow, so. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, 
like nine centimeters. <laughs> yeah, potato, potato. <laughs> All right. Aaron was never good at the at the math the is hard. Math is, is hard. Yeah. All right, you guys have a good one. Right, bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.